You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there, you're joining me for episode 188 of the Blended Family Podcast. Here we are already in December. I've been busy, but really what else is new, right? I'm always busy. We went up to New York a couple of weeks ago for a family wedding, and we had an amazing time, but it wasn't without some challenges. We arrived during the first snowstorm of the season and had to drive about an hour to dinner, and even though Sean was thrilled to try driving in the snow, Me, not so much. I was a little bit terrified. Of course, I've driven in the snow plenty, but that was so many years ago. I'm just not used to it now. But we made it safely, thankfully. Didn't get back to my brother's house where we were staying until 1 a.m. that night. And just before we got there, wouldn't you know, his power went out from the storm. Did I ever mention that I don't do well in the cold. He even bought me a heating blanket that I couldn't use because there was no power. But it came back on in a couple of hours, and anyway, we had some other issues. I had gotten a bladder infection, so there was that. had some other weird things happen. But overall, it was so wonderful seeing my family, and it's always wonderful, but it's always emotional, too, for me when I leave. So now I'm just trying to kind of get back into the swing of things, and it's kind of a chaotic time of year anyway with the holidays. Today, I have an interview I'm bringing you, which I think is going to be really helpful for those of you who might be struggling in your relationship right now, and maybe you're questioning whether to stay and work it out, or you're thinking about ending things. I've got a relationship expert joining me who has some answers for you. And this is one of those topics that isn't only for blended families. So even if this doesn't sound like you right now, maybe you know someone that needs to hear the message. So we will get to that in just a moment. If you've been listening the last couple of months, I've been producing shows with some of you, my listeners, who are joining me as co-hosts. The response is excellent on these, so I'm going to continue as long as you'll keep joining me. I'm going to try after the holidays to get back on and produce some solo shows too, like I used to. But right now, these are just a little bit easier for me. And to be honest, I'm really having fun actually getting to talk to some of you one-on-one and getting to know you on a more personal level. So please consider joining me. It's simple. Just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule and choose the option called mini session. Then we'll hop on the phone, we'll chat for a few, schedule a time for the recording. Now, I'm not looking for anyone with certain credentials or educational background. You don't have to work with blended families. You are all welcome, as long as you have a blended family. And of course, a desire to help other blended families by sharing your story. Please also consider joining my list by going to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe to get just one newsletter a month, a free quiz. And in addition, all members are automatically entered into my monthly giveaways. There will actually be one today at the very end of the show, so stay tuned to find out who the winner is. 
All of the links I mention are always in the show notes for you too. All right, that is all of my announcements for today. Please enjoy this interview with my relationship expert. Today I have a special guest I think you will all love. I'm joined by Sharon Pope. Sharon is a certified master life coach and a six-time number one international best-selling author specializing in love and relationships. She helps women in struggling marriages determine if it's time to stay and recommit or lovingly release the marriage. She's been published dozens of times, including in the New York Times. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here, Melissa. Good. Well, so the reason I reached out to you is that I saw a Facebook ad for your ebook, which is called Stay or Go, How to Find Confidence and Clarity So You Can Fix Your Marriage or Move Forward Without Regret. And I thought this might be really helpful to some of my listeners. And Sharon, as you know, I work with blended families, and many couples find it difficult to navigate the struggles that come with having a blended family. In fact, I get tons of emails on a regular basis from people who ask me whether they should stay and make it work or move on. So I'm glad you're here and we certainly have a lot to talk about. Uh, First, I want to know a little bit more about you and what brought you to this line of work. Oh, great. So when I became a coach, um, I had come from a traditionally corporate sort of background. And so I had had experience with executive coaching and things like that. And so I had been working with a coach at the time, and everyone was telling me, you should go into corporate coaching, you should go into corporate coaching, because they said, that's where your background is, and that's where the money is, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so as I was working with my coach, she just, she just kept challenging me on that, because she could tell that my heart wasn't really in it. Mm. Um, every time I did that kind of work, it, was, it just felt a little bit empty, and so she was really pressing me on that, and she's like, what do you just love to talk to people about? all day long. And I'm like, relationships, heartbreak, marriages that struggle, all that kind of good stuff. And she's like, oh, we need to stop talking about corporate stuff. (laughs) And so she got me really focused really quickly. Um, She was also my publisher at the time. So um, that's where we started honing in on love and relationships and helping people when they're not working very well. And uh, it just sort of took off from there in several different directions, but where I've really landed is in the um, marriages that are struggling and trying to figure out, can we make it work? Can we make this relationship into something that feels really good for both of us? Or is it time to lovingly release it? So let me ask you, did, did this come from something that happened to you personally in your life? Like, were you in yeah. a relationship that you were struggling with or, because I, I wonder what directed you to that avenue? Yeah, it's all from personal experience. It was, you know, my, um, I had a marriage that lasted almost 12 years and then I went through a really painful divorce and then I fell in love and got my heart broken and then I had to go out and find a love again as a mature woman and so all of those things have been aspects of my work. Um, and so literally, you know, writing a book about finding love when you don't when you want it and you don't have it and writing a book about getting over divorce or heartbreak and then writing a book about how to know when it's time to stay or go. And then another one about, okay, when you know that the answer is to go, how do you do that in the most peaceful and loving way possible? So those were the most challenging aspects of my life 
Um, those are the things that will bring even the strongest of us to our knees. Yeah. And so that's that's what drew me to it because that was, you know, you always use your life experience as what Anne Lamott would say, grist for the mill. Um, it all goes into the work of yeah. helping people. I think it's amazing how we can all take really traumatic experiences in our life and we if we're if we're smart about it we can use it not only to help us grow but then to help other people as well um, right. so I think in any marriage making the decision to end things is really really hard I remember my first marriage and I know that it took a long time for me to come to my decision to leave and I honestly feel like in a second marriage that's blended it's even harder first of all I think people don't want another failed marriage under their belt but also there are more people involved now. Children are going to be affected by a blended family splitting up. And so I'm curious, do you find this to be true in your line of work that blended families have additional or even different concerns when they're deciding to end a blended family marriage? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. I do think that they have some special um, different concerns that, that maybe someone in a first marriage wouldn't have. Um, you touched on it that there's um, there's some shame that comes with a marriage that ends for people. And um, I read a stat that said, you know, we've all heard the stat about the first marriages ending 40 to 50% of the time in divorce. But second marriages actually end 67% in divorce. And third marriages are 74% wow. in divorce. And so then you start, there's a lot of shame that goes along with that. Like, oh, now I've, I've failed at this twice. Maybe and then you start going. It's probably me mm. because I'm the I'm the common denominator here. Like there's just there's a lot to that. You know, it's hard enough to walk away from a marriage to begin with. That's enormous. But then to do it twice, um, and no one goes into marriage flippantly thinking like, oh well, we'll just try it and we'll see. Like we all go into it eyes wide open, but genuinely wanting to make it work. You know, till death do us part. But life happens, and and sometimes um, we're not able to make, we're not able to uphold that commitment. The whole blended family piece, though, you know, like I was talking with someone just last week, a client who was struggling with should I leave my second marriage, and you know the challenge that she was really facing was, so her husband's first marriage. His wife left and essentially, um, in many ways, sort of abandoned the, their son. Mm -hmm. And so now, her stepson, if she's thinking of leaving that marriage, she's now going, you know, I don't want him to have two women that have abandoned him in a mother role. Mm. Like, that's, that's real. That's a real consideration when you're going into something like this. So, so yeah, I think that, I mean, that's not everyone's scenario that's in a blended family, but it, to me, it was a very poignant scenario that like, that really needed to be considered. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, like you said, it might not be everyone's exact situation, fear of abandonment, but you're right. I mean, you have stepchildren and bio children who not, not only you grow to love, but they even grow to love each other in many cases. And you you become a family unit, and it's very hard to separate that, more so than in a traditional family, I definitely think. Um, so it, it's just, there's a lot more layers, I think. Um, yeah. 
I also think that, you know, we're always teaching our children what love and marriage is supposed to look like based upon what they're seeing at home. And then you worry about, oh my gosh, now they're seeing two failed marriages. So what if they give up on love and marriage? Or what if they think that this is just normal and this is just how it's going to be for them as well? When that doesn't necessarily have to be the experience. But I mean, we all come by our stuff pretty naturally. You know, like we learn what that, what love and marriage looks like based upon what we saw growing up. Gosh, yeah, that's a really good point that you bring up. They are they are watching, and it, it is a lot of pressure, and that's why I always tell people, you know, with a blended family, you want to, I, I don't think that you should stay just because you're in a blended family. I think you definitely need to weigh things out, but I think you need to consider. Uh, one of the things I talk to my clients about if they're unhappy is about the circumstances in their current life, like what is likely not going to change and of course what is likely to change so for example an abusive partner is less likely to change than an inconsiderate stepchild so certain things in the blended family that are difficult can get better over time so how do you help people understand what things in the relationship are essentially deal breakers or not yeah and i think that this is a really personal decision um you know, I have I have one client who it is absolutely a deal breaker for her if her if there's infidelity, mm. she's done right. But I have another client where her husband, over the course of their 33 years together, he's had five different affairs, and she has clearly stayed through those. And I'm going to be honest with you, like they are happier than they have ever been. Mm. So there's not this hard and fast rule of for everyone. Everyone has different um, lines and perspectives, and I don't think any of them are wrong. I don't think there's right and wrong. I think there's just different perspectives of what feels good for, for each individual person. But I like your approach of these are the things that can change. These are the things that, that probably will not change. Um, but as I think about when you, were, when you were talking, the thing that came to mind for me, Melissa, was that we go into marriage with so few tools. You know, like, we know how to love, right? We know, like, I love this person. But if all we have in our toolbox is what we learned growing up, what love and marriage is supposed to look like, it's precious little because our parents, like, they were doing the best they could, but they didn't have any tools either. Right. So when it comes to communicating what you need, setting healthy boundaries, being able to really hear one another and see how... Uh, being able to manage your own mind so that you're not giving life and meaning to things that were never the intention of the person on the communicating end. Like all of those things, we don't really come into relationships with that. So what I tell people, like I, I don't think that there's ever anything where it's, oh, that is a definite lost cause. You should just give up right now. Because, but but to think that, that the way that... See, no one ever calls me when their marriage is going well, right? So <laughs> everyone is struggling. Um, but there's never a struggle that is insurmountable. But what we do know, what I know for sure, is that staying where you are and continuing to do it the way you've been doing it is clearly not working. So we've got to interrupt those patterns and we've got to be able to do it differently. And I think to be able to do it differently, you need to be equipped with real relationship tools that will help you do that. Because if you knew how to do it, you probably would have done it by now. Because this is a pretty painful place to be when you're struggling in your marriage. So I just think there are, you know, 
there's deal breakers are a very personal decision and you can't keep doing what you have been doing, but there is the potential to create what I call marriage 2.0, like the 2.0 version of your marriage. Because where you've been has gotten you to this place of struggle. This place of struggle feels like crap. So if you're going to make it feel good again, then it's not about can I figure out a way to endure being unhappy? It's about can we create something new together, something that would feel good for both of us? I really love that. Yeah, that is wonderful. And I think that it says a lot about taking responsibility for what's going on instead of just sitting there and allowing everything or, or playing the victim and saying, this is all happening to me without really doing something. One of the things I read in the book, and you actually have a chapter dedicated to it, is regarding taking responsibility for what's yours. And I love this because most of us do point fingers at the other person thinking we've done nothing wrong. It's all them. But I think we all need to have some ownership in a failing relationship, even if it's just that we have allowed ourselves to be treated in a way that we're not comfortable with. And I'd love for you to talk about this because I think it would help so many people. Yeah, sure. No one wants to be in the role of the victim. Like none of us would sign up for that. And yet, um, when our marriages are struggling, I think it, I think it makes some logical sense. I always just look at it from a human behavior perspective, right? So if there's a couple, and many times I'm speaking with the woman, although sometimes I get to talk to men too. Um, but if the woman thought, genuinely thought that the, that the issues inside the marriage were primarily with her and she was in a lot of pain or she was in a lot of struggle about the marriage, she would fix those things. And so it's very logical, I think, to believe that, oh, the, my spouse is the problem. So we don't do it intentionally, like place the blame and point the finger and make ourselves a victim. We don't like do that intentionally, but we do end up doing it. Every time we say the words, he should, mm. or he shouldn't, we're going down that path. Um, and my very favorite saying is, if you would be different, I would feel better. And because I think that's what we do all day, every day in our relationships is we need the other person to be different so that we can feel loved, appreciated, secure, whatever, better, some version of better. I need you to be different so that I can feel better. And then that's not us taking responsibility for our own happiness and how we're showing up in the relationship. So back to your point of owning our role in the creation of our experience so far it's never a hundred percent one person. Like you said, even if it was just like overlooking bad behavior or accommodating um, or allowing people to treat you in a way that's hurtful again and again and again, and sort of training them that that's okay. There's always something that we can own. And I think that when we're able and willing to do that, that it really gives us all of the power not power in the relationship, but power for ourselves. Because when we're willing to see that, we can't we can't heal anything or change anything we're not willing to see, right? But when we can see, like, huh, I did that. I over like in my own marriage, in my first marriage, when I really got underneath that and started looking at what was my role, a big part there was many things, by the way, but one of the things um, was that I chose the safe guy. Mm. I didn't want to be hurt anymore. I had been hurt. I'd been cheated on. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that again. So I chose a really safe, good-hearted, kind man. Now, we had very 
low affection and low connection, but also low drama. We didn't fight a lot. So, so that created complexity about, well, I don't have a good reason to leave. It's not like he beats me. It's not like he lies to me. He doesn't cheat on me. You know, all of those things. But when you can really just start owning like your piece and or pieces of it, when you can see that, you then have the power to do it differently. And that's everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and by the way, it's not easy for the listeners listening right now. It's not easy taking a good look at yourself and your own behaviors and your own responsibility in a situation. Sometimes that's painful to do because we a lot of times we don't want to take ownership of that. It hurts us when we realize that we've done something that maybe we're not proud of or that we don't mm-hmm. like about ourselves. But one of the things that I say over and over again on the show is that we can't control anyone else or what they do. The only thing we have control over is ourselves and our reactions to what's going on around us. And so um, I like what you said there. Um, So Sharon, let's say a client comes to you and they just aren't sure whether or not to save their marriage. And you obviously, like you said, you can't tell them what to do or what the right decision is. How do you help them figure it out? So the first thing that we do is we quiet all the noise. Um, because right now we've got really worried, anxious minds when they come to me in this decision. Will I be okay? Will my kids be okay? Will I be alone forever? Will I have enough money? Will I hurt him? Will I hurt other people? You know, like there's just so many worries. Um, if I try to reconnect, will it ever change? Will I be here a year from now, 10 years from now? Will, will we be back in the same situation? So there's there's fears to stay, and then there's fears if I leave. Of course there's fears if you leave. There's a hundred unanswered questions behind that door because just like no one taught us how to be in relationship with each other, certainly there's no class on like how to do divorce well. Yeah. So most of the time we just blow up our lives and we leave a trail of hurt in the wake of what we're doing because we don't know any different. So. The first thing we have to do is just quiet all that noise down because, and then, and some of that noise is well-intentioned support from family and friends or outside influence of people who genuinely love you and have your back, but they're telling you what they would do. And so if for you to be able to come to a decision that you can really trust in and be able to take action from. I think it's gotta feel good. If you, if you, if I was on camera right now, you'd see me pointing to my heart. Yeah. It has to feel right in here. It has to feel like it's never gonna feel good. You know, you know, like I guess reconnecting would feel good. But if you make a decision to leave, it's never gonna feel great. But it's gonna feel like, uh, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's a peacefulness about it. It's almost like I almost think of it like a stream that's sort of like you wait for it to to settle so that you can really hear and feel what is really true. And so my job in that is, is, is first to just help them quiet all the noise and then to get really clear about what is true. And that's what is true inside of the relationship and also what is true for them and what they really want. Because they get to want what they want. Yeah. Right? If someone says, like, I want a real connection and I want communication and I want to feel intimate and close with my partner and they've genuinely 
either by working with me or through many other tools, they're genuinely trying to do that again and again and again with their partner and their partner's just not, like it's just not part of who they are, it's just not part of their DNA. Okay, well, you know, good luck telling yourself, like, well, just stop wanting that. That's what I tried to do. Because mm-hmm. I was like, there's enough good things about this man. Like, but you, you can't just turn off the dial and just stop wanting those things. You know, so it's getting clear about what is it that you want and can it be created mm. inside the current relationship? You know, like I think one of the reasons, one of the ways to know whether or not the answer is to go is to know that you made your very best effort. You did everything you possibly could to see if it really could work. Because hmm. if that doesn't work and you really have done everything that you can, you've looked at all your stuff, you've owned it, you've gotten new tools, you've applied them, you've gotten uncomfortable, you've tried, like you've done all that and it still doesn't work, then you can make some peace with an answer to leave. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I always feel too that that we do all have the answers that we need inside of ourselves if we do get quiet enough to listen and really go deep within and figure out what we want and, and quiet the noise. So I like that you said that. I actually, I kind of use that for a lot of decisions in my life when I don't know what to do. Um, when I work with clients, I always try first to save a relationship. Now that's me, That's that my personal opinion is that many relationships can be saved if the couple does the work, like you just said, do whatever you can, at least then you know that you tried. Um, and we all know relationships take a lot of work and the work is never done. I don't care how good a couple is together, there's always <laughs> room for growth and it's necessary. So what is your opinion on this, Sharon? Do you believe relationships can be saved, which I, it sounds like you do, and what do you think needs to take place for the relationship to be saved? First, I think there has to be a desire to save it. Um, so yes, I think relationships can be saved, but sometimes, and so I make this distinction sometimes, I've written about it before, but sometimes we want the marriage to work and sometimes we just want to want it to work. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, like, God, it sure would be easier if I could just give him another chance. God, it sure would be easier if I could just not have to blow up my life and make create all this change. Gosh, it sure would be easier. But but ultimately, they don't really want to try to make it work. So I think having that level of clarity for yourself about do you really want to make it work? Or do you just want to want it? Would it just look good? You just could you, you could avoid some judgment from other people, you could avoid the pain of change and all that kind of stuff. So if there's desire, then absolutely relationships can work and can feel really good. Um, I don't, I can't, I really show up with no agenda for my clients, like at all. I'm not going to try to talk them into staying and I'm not going to talk them into leaving. Um, I really just want to meet them right where they are and help them get really clear about what they want. Um, I think it makes total sense many, many times it's like, okay, let's, let's see if what you want is possible. Like, it's always a good place to start. Um, but once in a while, because of the nature of the work that I do, and it sounds like some of the nature that you do, you know what, like, <laughs> you know that, you know those, um, when you're driving along the freeway, 
And there's those strips along the side of the road that sort of wake you up if you fall asleep or like you veer off the road. It's like to alert you to get back on the road. Yes. They call it the rumble strip. Yes. Yeah. So no one reaches out for help when things start to get a little bad. Um, when they're just driving along or even when they just hit the rumble strip a few too many times. Usually when they're calling us, like they're headed for the ditch. They've gone past the rumble strip and they're headed straight for the ditch because they didn't pay attention when they were hitting the rumble strip and they didn't try to make it better there. So certainly there are times when people come to me and they're like, their marriage is like in the ditch. It is on its last possible leg, if, if any leg. Um, and sometimes trying to make it work is not a possibility. Yeah. for my client. And I respect that too. I honor that decision too. Yeah, I agree. You can't, you can't force anything. And ultimately people have to do what's right for them and their family. And I know it's a very tough decision. And like I said, in, in the blended family, it's even harder because I know as parents, we, we don't just worry about ourselves. It's hard enough to make our own decision, but when we worry about making a decision that affects our children, I think that could just get us completely crazy because we're so afraid that whatever decision we make is going to cause harm to our kids, cause them to be upset, mm -hmm. cause them disruption, and they've already been disrupted from maybe a previous divorce. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely, definitely tough. I love- Can we talk about that? Yeah, second? please, please. Because it's actually, I wrote a blog post, it's gonna go out tomorrow about it, but um, so it's just kind of top of mind. So when you brought it up, I was like, oh, let's talk about that. It's sort of like, we have this, call it a belief, <laughs> um, a deeply held thought that became a belief along the way that that if we divorce that the children will suffer period like most and, and you could probably dig up a million stats that would show that I have a differing point of view on that um, and it's probably fairly controversial because it doesn't go along with what everyone else believes um, I don't think that it is a irrefutable truth that our children will suffer um, if there is a divorce. Now, if we do it like we see most people do it, where they blow the relationship up, they walk away in hurt and anger and they carry a lot of venom and hate towards each other and they get a scarcity mentality and they just try to divide everything up and they're fighting and like, yes, everyone suffers there, right? Because we don't know how to do that peacefully. We don't know how to do that well. And all we do is we armor up and we lawyer up and we try to like, get through it the best we can. But there's a lot of hurt and pain and all of that. If you both make the decision to end the relationship and you're both what I would call pretty emotionally capable, emotional adults in this way, it doesn't mean that like there's not going to be hurt and there's not going to be any pain from it. But I have had clients where their children actually thrive post-divorce, where they, the kids now have to set boundaries with one of the parents. But they didn't have to do that before. Now they know how to set boundaries. What a great life skill. They have to express what they need. Um, one of my clients, she was telling me about how she goes, you know what? My kids now have a better relationship with their father than they did before. Because now when the kids are with him, guess what? He has to know what their favorite cereal is. Hmm. He has to know when their birthdays are. He has to know what their favorite color is. He has to know that they're struggling at math. And that they need help, a little extra help there. You know, like he's way more engaged now where he didn't have to be before. And this is just one particular, it's not like every situation is like that. Um, but there are some ways that people can thrive 
there are ways that your children don't have to suffer. It's not this de facto thing that inevitably, if you choose you, you are automatically not choosing your children. I don't know if you saw it. There was a, there was a thing going around on Facebook where the, um, the guy said, he was talking about, you know, ra- you're raising young men, raise strong men, raise smart women, you know, that sort of thing. And he was saying, like, it's my ex-wife's birthday. And this morning I got up and I went over to their house and I helped my kids make breakfast for her. And I brought her flowers and everyone's like, why are you doing this? This is your ex-wife. And he's like, because this is what you do. <laughs> she, they are my, that, that's my children's mother. This is what you do. And so that's emotional adulthood. That's like doing it well where your children will not automatically suffer. So it a hundred percent depends upon how we handle it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I almost wish that you could teach people <laughs> better skills of co. I mean, that's what I do. Teach people how to co-parent better together. And what you said mm-hmm. is so true. And it's too bad that more, more parents can't treat one another with the respect that they need to for the sake of the kids and for the sake of themselves. But people don't. I mean, you should see some of the people that write to me that just unfortunately are not in that situation and they're really dealing with very toxic ex-relationships. And it's it's really, really sad. And I wish that, you know, I just want to help everybody achieve the picture that you just described would be so much better than what's actually happening. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I really loved your ebook. I think you did such a great job on that. Can you tell everyone how they can grab it? Oh, sure. If you go to, oh, I told you I was going to pull it up so I'd have it. So the, the address is HTTPS uh, colon slash slash go.sharonpope.com slash this is this is so hard stay <laughs> or go book but there's dashes in between so maybe you could put that you know on what yeah don't worry about it i will put or, the link right in the show yeah. notes so that way everyone uh just go g- scroll down in the show notes and click and i'll have a link there for the ebook um and the ebook is a great place to start if you're facing a decision of ending your marriage or your relationship but that's definitely not all Sharon offers. So Sharon, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your other offerings? Sure. So on my website, there are um, all of my books that I've written, including this Say or Go book. Um, there's also e-courses, so video courses if you want like, hey, I want some new tools. I want you to teach me, Sharon, but um, I want to do it alone. Mm. Then that's then that's a good route to go. There's one on um, staying for the kids and all that you need to think about as it relates to staying for the kids. There's another on um, communication and connection. There's one on doing divorce peacefully if that's your choice. And then there's one called one last shot, which is let me try to reconnect. Let me try to reengage. So there's e-courses there. And then lastly, there are people that say, Sharon, I want your help and support and coaching as I really come to a decision like this because it's big enough for me that I want um, I want more than a book and I want more than a course and so then they work with me personally and that's just on my site at SharonPope.com. So to the listeners if you aren't sure where to begin but you know you might want to work with Sharon just contact her get on her website check out what she's got I'm gonna add all of her links in the show notes including the stay or go ebook but Sharon I know we're running out of time but before we go mm-hmm. I'd love for you to offer some words of advice to the listeners or please feel free to add anything important that I might have left out you know what I would say is 
it's really, um, a lot of people get stuck in this indecision, in this um, say or go indecision. And I would challenge you that it actually serves you to remain stuck. And it sounds crazy, but if you stay stuck and you never actually get an answer, you never actually have to take any scary action, right? Like if I, if, if I, if I don't try to recommit, if I don't try to make it any better, if I don't, then I'll never be, I won't ever feel potentially rejection, potential failure, vulnerability, like all the really hard stuff that all feels really scary to me right now. And if I never make the decision to leave either, then I don't have to face the fear of judgment or being alone forever or hurting my kids or hurting my husband or hurting myself, all of those things. So, so know that like no decision is actually a decision. It is just a decision to stay stuck. And it always feels like, like it always feels like hell to stay stuck, like the in-between, not really trying to make it better and not trying to leave it either is always going to feel bad. So I'm like, if you're going to, rather than stay stuck, why don't we try to make it better? Or why don't we try to figure out how to release it in the most loving way possible? Like, let's try something because you will gain information by trying something. You will gain no new information by never trying anything. So try something get some more information that more information will bring you closer to clarity and then it's never a mistake i love that that is such wonderful advice sharon i am so thankful that you came on the show today and i'm hoping that some of my listeners who've been struggling lately might find the help they need with you so thank you so much thank you for having me it's such a privilege and um blended families are such an important niche to carve out and really speak specifically to them and their needs. And I love the work you're doing in the world, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully maybe we can have you back. All right. Take care. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sharon. Like I said earlier, even if her message today doesn't resonate with you, maybe you know someone who needs to hear it. If so, please share it. No one wants to think of ending a relationship, especially around the holidays, but sometimes we can't help what's going on in our lives and when. The holidays can also bring on a lot of stress for people, and many times it affects our relationships too. So please reach out to Sharon if you think you might need her help. As promised, I have a giveaway today. Usually if I have a guest, I'll give away one of their products. This time, I chose not to because not everyone needs help with their relationship right now, and I don't want to send a happily married person a book about ending their relationship. So being it's the holidays, I'm giving away something different. I'm giving away a Burt's Bees holiday gift set. They're not a sponsor, but I love their products, especially in the winter months. And the winner this month is Lindsay Anderson or lindsaymarie324 at gmail.com. I will contact you to arrange shipping on that, but congratulations, Lindsay. And once again, if anyone wants to be automatically entered to win, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.